Master Tavern Keepers, History of the Old World. Zovizor, how was it that your tutor knew that you were still alive? Is this another magical intervention? Or perhaps due to some uh, god? <laughs> Nothing so fanciful. Merely by the wagging of many tongues. A speciality of men the world over. But uh, let us just recap, as we say in the tavern trade. My tutor, Ulrich Genscher, had been successful in finding the Sheikh Queen of the Tuareg, Tin Hinan, a woman with whom he had a, uh, well, let's say, a colourful history, although I'll save that particular rabbit hole for another day. She and her entourage accompanied him back to the boat and helped them secure the supplies that they needed. And then they stayed camped nearby during the repairs to act as a deterrent to any uh, would-be aggressors. It is also worth mentioning here that Sully and his minions made no appearance during this time. I uh, sometimes wonder what happened to them. Were they in cahoots with the ghouls that attacked us, or were they also victims? Alas, I know not. I hope it's the latter. I fear, however, that it was the former. Anyway, in the weeks that followed, warbands of Tuareg would come and visit the Sheikh Queen, as was their custom, and pay their respects, as well as bringing news from around the desert. It appears that one such tale was the killing of a sepulchral stalker by an outlander who had recently joined the Tuareg. My tale. Somehow, by way of a pillow talk, perhaps, the story came to Gensha, and he recognised me from the description of the protagonist. With this established, he immediately made some inquiries and also learnt that the warband I was part of was slowly journeying towards the city of Martek in the west, although its route would be long and circuitous. However, now that the repairs were finished, Gensha and the crew could not go and wait around in Martek for my possible arrival. He first had to accompany the boat to Sartosa and then Lucini in order to deliver the secret artefacts he had recovered in the cafe in Porto Fuchao. It was uh, now a matter of some urgency, apparently. Thus, he was at a loss as to how to proceed until he struck upon an idea. There was one amongst the crew that he did trust to find me. The halfling Ludwig Brambledown. But, uh, but, but why him? I do not understand. Uh, I'd say it was a combination of his natural qualities and innate character. But the best way to figure out what those are is probably to hear the tale that Ludwig himself told me of how he came to find me in Martek. Thank you.
Anyways, so Gensha came to me and asked me to find you, and I agreed. I see. Well, if that was the case, what was the recompense, dear Brambledown? Why, I did it out of the goodness of my own soul, of course. <laughs> well, uh, that, and for the deeds to an old disused restaurant that he had acquired in a game of hazard with a uh, ne'er-do-well son of a merchant back in Nantes. It's only a stone's throw away from my own establishment. Uh, surely you can see the uh, potential. Wink, wink. <laughs> Indeed I can. Well, that sounds more like it. Go on, then. How did you get here? Let me tell you. After agreeing to our bargain, the ship was prepared to sail the high seas once more. And all that remained was for our new recruits to say their goodbyes. New recruits? What, what do you mean, new recruits? Well, some of the Tareg had joined our crew. After the suicides from our time on the uh, river, and then after your own escapade, we'd lost a lot of hands. We were a skeleton crew. We needed whatever help we could get. The ones that joined us had been former Corsairs, eager to return to the open seas. As you can imagine, the twins were happy to have more of their own countrymen aboard. Ah, yes. When Asim and Wasim first joined our crew, they had Ibn Jalaba to talk to. In fact, his presence was probably the reason they joined us in the first place. But after he left us at El Calabad, they could only converse with each other, Gensha and myself in their native tongue. And my tutor and I were not native speakers. Having spent the last eight months here in Araby, I appreciate more and more what a gift it is to be able to speak my native tongue to native speakers. I've certainly experienced a bit of that feeling these past few months too. Anyways, back to my story. As we sailed out of the Mortis River and back into the Tylean Sea, Gensha, Asim and Wasim gave me a crash course in Arabian speech. I picked it up quite quickly according to them. During the same time, I also taught Gensha his way around the ship's kitchen. If I was going to uh, go adventuring for Gensha, then he was going to have to cook whilst I was away. The captain was unconvinced by all this, but after trying some of uh, his efforts, she finally agreed. Not a patch on your grub, Brambledown, but I think I can stomach this until we get to Sartoza. Then I'm sure a few days stuffing myself silly on oysters will cleanse my palate of Engensha's gruel. And so, onwards we sailed, until at last we reached the harbours of the port city of Al-Hayik. Although I knew the uh, city of Thebes was the largest trading port in Araby, I was unprepared for the sheer scope of its harbours and keys. Ah, yes, Al-Hayik, or... Araka, as the locals call it, is certainly very impressive. Even from the sea, as we were sailing into the harbour, we could clearly see the gigantic central golden dome that sits atop the palace, standing proud of the great white walls that encompass the port city. Is it true that it's made from inch-thick plates of pure gold? Ah, indeed. I do believe so. Of course, such a structure... The dome is more than a hundred feet across, you know. Would normally collapse under its own weight. But some of the Tuareg told me that a jinn keeps it held aloft. Did you see the palace of the great sultan himself up close then? I did, I did. I did not dally with goodbyes after coming ashore. Genja and I shook hands. 
agreed upon our meeting place where I would uh, check in with him in three months' time, and that was it. After that, I soon disappeared into the morass of people, as is my way, thieving and cut-pursing my way as I went. By the time I found myself in front of the wall surrounding the palace, I was well stocked up and had a decent hoard of cash to add to what I'd brought with me. Enough to hire a bodyguard, a guide, and camels to get me down to Martek. This accomplished, I spent the rest of the day looking over the friezes and sculptures that decorated the outer palace walls, and these really helped put a perspective on the history of Araby for me. I hadn't realised that the palace was so big, though. Indeed. The palace and its grounds must take about half the city, I'd say. But I suppose that it is fitting, for it is the home of the great sultan. The grand sultan. The sultan of sultans and the ruler of all Araby. At least uh, when the country's unified. Although you know me, I'm no supporter of any monarch. They do nothing but serve themselves at the expense of the country they rule. They're just the heads of greedy families and the capstone to a system whose main aim is the exploitation of its people and resources for the benefit of the few. The nomadic tribes of the desert have the right idea. They owe fealty to no distant ruler. <laughs> Same old Septimus. However, a thing that surprised me about the city was this. I was genuinely taken aback by the number of parks in Al Haik. Coming from the Empire and their uh, compact, maze-like cities, it was eye-opening to have such wide, open areas. You could see the sky, and the air wasn't thick with smoke and foul smells. Aye, true. Easy ground for an invading army to cross, though. <laughs> you can tell that you're Gensh's protégé. There were Gents, though, weren't there? Between the outer and inner city, I mean. Ah, indeed. But they're not defensible gates. They're for regulating trade in, around and out of the city and taxing it. The gates and walls are not the uh, forbidding structures you see in the other cities of Araby. Oh, then al Haik is but a ripe pomegranate, merely awaiting the invader's knife to cut it open. Or at least I always thought so. Until I heard differently from Brahmin, the leader of the Tuareg warband that I was a member of. At least, he was their leader until his untimely death at the hands of an ancient revenant of the desert a few weeks after I joined them. Hmm. Anyway, he told me this. No, Outlander. Alai. Is not defenseless. That is but a trick of the eye. The strength of Al Hayek lies not in its white walls nor many gates. None dare attack the city for fear of the power that the Grand Sultan. Himself wields. They fear the jinn. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, sorry to interrupt your retelling, Master Tavernkeeper, but this is the second time that you've mentioned jinn. 
I won't deny that I'm partial to a glass or two myself, but how does a drink protect the city of Al Haik? What? No, 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 no. Not gin, Heinrich. Gin. Here. Let me explain. 